0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com TechSF.
2: Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. The FTC is poised to pause its Microsoft Activision Blizzard merger trial, and that will open the door to settlement talks. More from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini.
3: This is seen as a huge win for Microsoft and Activision as they seek to close the largest ever gaming deal in the U.S. And sources also tell us the FTC really had to back down and withdraw its internal case because under its own rules, it's expected to do so after losing a last-ditch fight in federal court to keep the $69 billion merger from taking place. And what's next for the two companies? Watch for Microsoft and Activision to try to persuade FTC's commissioners to accept a settlement or drop their antitrust opposition. To the deal altogether. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Show.
2: In terms of the stocks, Activision Blizzard was flat today. Microsoft was caught up in the selling in big tech. It traded down two point three percent. Well, Blackstone has become the first private equity firm to manage $1 trillion. However, the accomplishment is tempered somewhat by a deal-making slump that weighed on second quarter results. Distributable earnings tumbled 39% to $1.2 billion, the lowest in two years. Blackstone slowed the pace of new deals as more buyers and sellers struggled to agree on valuations for private assets. Here's Blackstone COO Jonathan Gray.
0: This year, you had a lot of concern about where inflation was going, a lot of concern about how far the Fed would go. You had the banking crisis in March, and naturally you see a slowdown in deal activity. I think the good news is the tone has improved as we've worked through uh, this quarter. The deal market feels like it's unfreezing a bit. So I think as people feel better about um,
2: the overall picture, a little more certainty, I think we'll see deal volume pick up as we move forward. Blackstone's Jonathan Gray. Private equity firms that grew rapidly during the deal-making boom now face more scrutiny from investors on how they will weather higher interest rates. Still, Gray says that markets are beginning to recognize that inflation is under control as the Fed works to cool the economy and bring down inflation. Some leading artificial intelligence companies are now expecting to commit to implementing safeguards for the technology. We get that story from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. OpenAI, the maker of ChatGPT, Microsoft, and Alphabet's Google unit all expected to voluntarily commit to White House demands on Friday, pledging to responsibly develop and deploy artificial intelligence capabilities. It's after the Biden administration warned those companies that they have to ensure the technology does not lead to any harm. But the company's commitments will expire when Congress, as expected, passes legislation addressing those safety issues over AI, according to a draft of the White House document. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The U.S. Senate has adopted an amendment that blocks China from purchasing oil from American emergency stockpiles. The measure was added to the Must Pass National Defense Authorization Act. It's sponsored by Senators Joe Manchin and Ted Cruz. The legislation is similar to a bill that passed in the House back in January. It would prohibit the sale of U.S. oil from the SPR to any company under the control of the Chinese Communist Party. Senator Manchin said the Senate version also bars the sale of oil to Russia, to North Korea and Iran. The U.S. Senate is hoping to finish the bill before the August recess. Taiwan's semiconductor has cut its annual revenue outlook and has delayed the start of its Arizona plant until 2025. That story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong.
0: The surprise cut in revenue for this year sends a warning to investors. It suggests that despite the boom in AI, the global electronics slump may persist for some time. Add to that the delay of the planned Arizona project. That will be worrisome for Washington as it tries to establish a more robust chip industry at home. TSMC Chairman Mark Liu said the company faces several challenges at the U.S. facility. That includes a shortage of skilled workers and higher expenses than in Taiwan. This all comes on the heels of TSMC's financial results. Maker now projects a 10% fall in sales this year versus previous guidance for a single-digit decline in Hong Kong. I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg De
2: A few other stories to keep in mind. We'll get the Japan CPI numbers out this morning. That will be of interest for sure. Uh, The headline at 3.2%. That's the estimate for core. If you strip out energy and also food, that's expected to be as hot as 4.2%. And we'll be taking a closer look at Taiwan Semi as well. Now it's time for global news. Russia has intensified its attacks on Ukrainian ports and has threatened ships headed there with attack. Ed Baxter has global news from the 960 newsroom in San Francisco.
3: Ed? Yeah, this is a slowly building uh, escalation for sure, Brian. Third straight day, Moscow exit of the grain deal, you know, three days ago began reimposing a blockade. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says the attacks have implications that go far Beyond Ukraine, hundreds of millions of people face hunger and consumers are confronting a global cost of living crisis and they will pay the price. As well as food supply, diplomatic relations, Russian bombing has also damaged the Chinese consulate in Odessa. Russia has also warned ships headed to Ukrainian ports that they would be considered to be carrying munitions and in danger. And in response, Ukraine has said that it would consider ships headed to Russian ports to be carrying munitions and be in danger. Meanwhile, the U.S. says Ukraine uh, has begun deploying U.S.-supplied cluster bombs. White House Deputy Spokeswoman Sabrina Singh says that Ukraine is... Committed to use it responsibly, to keep track of um, and record where they are using it, so when this war is over, they can begin those
0: demining efforts.
3: Yeah, definite escalation, though, within the past few days. U.S. President Joe Biden has ordered a working group on how to avoid the last-minute game of chicken over the national debt. Bloomberg's Jonathan Tamari says pressure from the left
0: this is something that a lot of more progressive democrats had really urged him to do and something that he rejected ahead of the most recent debt limit standoff where they said listen we should just get rid of this thing republicans keep holding democratic president's hostage over it and it's threatening the credit of the united states whenever we get run into these log
3: jams Whether or not it could withstand legal challenges is another question. China's ordered its largest cities to step up preparations for future medical emergencies by building leisure and recreational facilities that can be used for quarantine during a pandemic. It wants to handle things a bit differently than during COVID. After praising former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger the day before, Chinese President Xi Jinping has held a meeting with him now, the first known in the Chinese capital in more than three years. Kristen Hahn, Democratic strategist on balance of power.
1: But there are different ways that we communicate um, with foreign governments, particularly one that's as difficult, um, as complicated as our relationship is with China. And, you know, that could be something that's happening right now. Uh,
3: she told Kissinger that China's ready to discuss the correct way for nations to talk. And let's play Jeopardy! The answer is $1.08 billion. The question... What is the lottery ticket sold in Southern California going to pay out? That lucky player, unknown to us to date, $1.08 billion. Carolyn Becker of the lottery says the cash value is over $516 million before taxes. She says uh, the lucky winner will have a lot of new friends. Uh, he, she, they have not come forward. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg.
0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: I'm Brian Curtis. Let's get to our guest, Matt Lloyd, Chief Investment Strategist at Advisors Asset Management. Matt, the Dow up nine days in a row and the laggards kind of having their day. I, I know you're a value guy, so this must be music to your ears. Does it continue?
0: Yeah, it, I, thanks, Brian. It's great to be with you. Uh, yeah, we think so. I think the, the shift has been in place, but when in, anytime you have a regime change, uh, a shift from growth to value, or any international move, it, it doesn't go easy into that good night either. It doesn't go softly. It, it, it mm-hmm. fights and it battles back, and it usually these these patterns take times and years to really materialize. So we still think it's great. I mean, with a lot of the risk that's out there, the pricing of the equities in the growth sector really almost perfection to next year's earnings. We see a little bit better risk reward and value, and value doesn't just necessarily mean here in the U.S. and, and matching up with certain, you know, basic historical price yeah. book, price sales, cash book, but also international because international is a very big value play.
2: It's funny that you say that because I had in my notes of something to uh, to put to guess uh, uh, this notion that the U.S. has all these big companies, important companies in AI, cybersecurity, cloud, software, you know, mega tech, more so than other countries. And Mm -hmm. if these companies now have to take a pause because they've run pretty hard, pretty fast, uh, that there might be good opportunities in Europe and in other areas like Japan to sort of play catch up as those laggers uh, rally, Laggards rally. Um, So you you mentioned that you're looking at some of these other markets. What would be chief among them?
0: Well, I think if you look at even with the big run up in Japan, you look at Japan as, you know, really about 16 percent from its all time highs. The MSCI Japan index, you know, again, that was set in 1989. Uh, for those of us that can remember uh, the trials and tribulations of Japan to now, this is a long time coming, which is why you can see the Bank of Japan is really trying to keep that yield curve control because they like a little bit of the inflation, maybe not to the degree they're talking with the three to four percent on the core rate, three percent on the regular, but they still feel very vibrant right now and But you look at the every metric in their index, it's really a, a price. It's a value price to book, price to sales, cash flow generation, steadiness in earnings. And even in Europe, you're seeing the same thing, some earnings revisions. But it's broad based because the MSCI World Index has really done fairly well here recently. So we continue to see when we see pressures on the dollar up and down and so forth. Uh, Some of the steadiness in earnings projections look a little bit better in international. And we continue to see a break in the dollar, which should bode well for uh, many emerging markets. China is probably the only one right now with the GDP deflator coming out. That's pretty problematic for them uh, because the consumption level hasn't really taken off for them. But in general, when we look at a very balanced portfolio, the value is really in the international play in select sectors and national. And then the growth sectors really are dominated here in the U.S outside of certain individual companies. So just by that mere fact of having diversification between growth and value, you're gonna probably yeah. be steering more international.
2: Yeah, well, the diversification is key because we don't know actually if growth is going to correct here. I mean, we've, you can have a couple of bad days uh, for sure, uh, but you still have the S&P 500 uh, well above the 50-day moving average. I think 5 to 6% above its 50-day moving average, which is a little hot, but there's some room to, to slide back, which would be completely normal and could mean that you, know, you continue to see the same type of behavior that we saw in the first half. Are you thinking about that?
0: Yeah, we are, we look a little bit more longer term and strategic, we look at the risk reward and since we cover a lot of different asset classes and debt classes, we are always looking at that risk reward scenario. And the only problem is is the AI is is reminds me of the internet back in the late 90s. You know, it's a great promise, great hope, but it's gonna take some time to materialize, to incorporate, to regulate and so forth. So I think it's a lot of fever on that, but it also probably has to do with the run up in the technology and two things everyone's anticipated the pause by the Federal Reserve, which we think is a little bit premature because inflation is probably gonna be a little bit higher in the second half than the low print that we just got. And then secondly, there's been so much cash on the sidelines that the, the FOMO investors have kind of come back into it, you know, and, and we get that sense where people are like, well, I'm I gonna miss the boat. But if you go back in time in history, every time the Fed has paused, you've seen a market rally until they actually cut and if they cut it's usually for one reason and that's usually a recession or demand mm. destruction and that is why you start to look at these little blurbs and this is a much more exaggerated uh, uh we'd say bear market rally but you know surge however you're just pricing too much perfection so again when we look at it we're not against growth and so forth we just have dialed right. it down a little bit and been more selective okay. and i think the value side gives you a little bit more predictability
2: I know you want to buy quality companies, so I need to. I mean, I think all investors want to buy quality companies, but I want to hear <laughs> from you: how, how you actually define quality.
0: Uh, number one is cash flow. Uh, you, when you're looking at times like it is now, when you look at higher interest rates, and the, and the best thing the corporations did was like prolong some of their maturity profiles in anticipation of higher rates. I know they didn't expect these kind of rates. But in 26, 20, late 25, 26, you're going to start getting some refinancing costs a bit higher. And that's going to really hurt a lot of the money that would go investment into CapEx and so forth. So when we look at that, thing, that, that measure and so forth, cash flow right now is what we're looking at, whether that's high yield on the short run, looking two years and in, or in general with companies, because they have a little bit of pricing power, uh, looking at steady margins and earnings. But positive cash flow is, is crucial right now for both debt and, we think, equity investors.
2: Yeah, I think costs, you know, if you look at the strikes that we're seeing and uh, some of the uh, requests from from workers, uh, you know, the labor cost is continuing to go up. Is that going to hit, you know, earnings and the stock prices? Uh, and, and is it already happening?
0: It, it already is happening. If you look at retail sales, real retail sales are pretty much flat if you take the inflation, the real cost of it, and really you're seeing it on some of the consumer sentiment numbers, the access to credit to, to you know, basically pay up for certain things. Now it's very bifurcated. You, you see you know, 40, 50% really struggling. And then you're seeing discretionary income still high for people that have, you know, had good jobs. But even going to your point, the job market, even the last month, you had a large chunk of the new jobs were people getting second jobs. And so when we look at those kind of second jobs, that's not a and the narrow equity markets those aren't really mm. great harbingers for what's coming
2: this is bloomberg daybreak asia your morning brief on the stories making news from hong kong to singapore and wall street look for us on your podcast feed every day on apple spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts you can also listen live each day on bloomberg 1130 in new york bloomberg 991 in Washington. Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.